Welcome to Cross Communities Podcast. We're glad you're here to listen today. We would love to connect with you today for listening to our podcast. Please fill out a connect card on our website at c3naz.net. You can also support the ministries of Cross Community by giving online on our website. We hope that today's message will strengthen your faith and help you to love God and people more. If you have a cookie that you bought, special dispensation for you, you can eat cookies in the sanctuary today if you'd like. If it gives you energy and keeps you awake in this warm place. But I'm going to invite you, however you get your Bible, whether that's online or on an app or on a device or in book form, I'm going to invite you to turn to Isaiah chapter 35. And we're going to do most of this in the NIV, but there's one verse that I think the NRSV gets better, closer to the original Hebrew. And so uh, we'll, we'll talk about that when we get there. But right now, I want to ask a question as we get, get into this, and as you're looking for this, how many of you have ever been to a desert before? Quite a few of you, yeah, maybe, maybe in Texas, it tends to be in the, for our country in the southwest. Uh, there are many, many, many forms of desert. One is kind of like this, it's a little rocky, or there are outcroppings. There's some beauty, beauty that is there, even in the midst of all the, the desolation. Some deserts are more like this, kind of your traditional, like the Sahara, like rolling mounds, nothing there. Uh, Just even those footprints that you can see, you know, will be covered over as soon as the wind blows strong enough to blow that sand over. It's, It's desolate and yet beautiful. There are some deserts, these are the kind I saw out in California and Arizona, they look like they have some green, and they, they look like they have some uh, shelter or some shade, but you don't want to get too close to these kind of trees. I speak from experience of someone who fell into a prickly pear cactus uh, with just shorts and shoes on. It's not a good experience. It takes a long time to get those things out of your body. But I got to, be, I got to thinking, because our passage today deals with a desert, in the deserts of our lives. And I got to thinking, what is one thing that all deserts have in common? Whether they have cactus and rocks, or whether it's sand and nothing. What do they have in common? I came down to this understanding that deserts are a lethal combination of scarcity and intensity. You may want to write that down. Deserts are a lethal combination of scarcity and intensity. and intensity. Let me tell you what I'm thinking about here. Scarcity of life-giving elements. I mean, this one is pretty bold. You know this. What's one thing that most deserts lack? Water. Absolutely. But they also lack shelter. Um, and that can, can create something. And that leads to the understanding of there's that scarcity, but there's also a lethal intensity of life-giving elements. So we need the sun to live. I don't know if you know this. We need the sun to live. But in the desert, the sun is so intense that if you're out there too long without the life-giving elements that are absent there, you will die. And even the air that you breathe there, you know we all need air to live, right? 
But even the air that you breathe is of such intensity in its dryness that even the act of breathing in and breathing out can lead to some pretty significant dehydration. I learned this uh, when I went golfing in the summer in Palm Springs. We used to live not too far from Palm Springs. And during the summer, you could drive out and you can play the PGA courses for 20 bucks. Now, there's a slight thing that's going on. It's about 120 degrees. So my friend and I, we thought, hey, let's do that. Let's go play golf on a really good course. So we drove out there, and we, we came prepared. Man, I have my 10-ounce bottle of water. Put it in my golf cart. You know, I was ready to go. Then the guy came up, and he was not letting people go out until they did something. And they took those these giant drums like this big, you know, that you take to like a family picnic and you put orange juice in it, you know, the the Kool-Aid. And they filled it with ice and then poured water on it. They put one on my side and they put one on Chris's side and filled both of them up all the way to the top and then looked at both of us and gave us a big gulp-sized cup and said, if you're going to play today, you need to promise me that you're going to drink one of these per hole. Are you playing nine holes or 18 holes? We're playing 18. I'll fill you up at the turnaround. You see, the intensity of that life-giving element, air, when it's in the desert and with the absence, the scarcity of the life-giving element, can really take its toll on us. In other words, the desert robs you of life. It does it both overtly in its lack of what you need to survive, and it does it covertly with the intensity of the thing that you need for life, but is actually robbing you of life because it's of such intense quality, and it's lacking the things that you really need. And Isaiah, the prophet that we have been hearing from each week during this Advent season, was sent to proclaim to Israel long ago that they were choosing a desert over a garden. They, and why was this going on? How did this happen? Well, let's, let me just give you a brief little run-through of their history. You see, what had just happened is they had been split into two kingdoms for quite a while now. There was Israel, ten tribes to the north, with Samaria and a few other towns... And they had just literally been wiped off the map by the kingdom of Assyria. And Judah survived. But Judah was only two tribes. Pretty much it was just the city of Jerusalem and some of the surrounding villages. And they were scared. They were scared. They, they felt weak and scared. We're so tiny. And there are these big nations. There's Egypt. There's this Babylon that we're hearing about. There's Assyria to our north. We're surrounded. What are we going to do? So instead of turning to God who had delivered them time and time again, they chose to scheme for themselves. Now before we're too hard on, on Judah, I do that too. You do that too. When you're scared... And when you feel weak, it is in our tendencies to try and scheme and figure our way out of it. 
But they have these examples of this God who continued to deliver them over and over again. But they chose to scheme and build alliances with those bigger foreign military powers in hopes that that would save them. But that always comes with a cost. It always comes with the worship of those foreign powers' idols. And when they're worshiping those other gods that they think are the things that they're lacking, they are of such intensity like the desert that they don't even realize they're walking out into the desert being covertly and overtly worn down through the scarcity and intensity of the spiritual desert that they're going into. Covertly and overtly, this desert was robbing them of the true life that only God could bring. And this had been happening for so long with both Judah and Israel, both kingdoms, that God finally says, we read this in the first early parts of Isaiah, that He is going to let them wander. That they're going to have to be out in the deserts. They're going to go into exile. And in 597 B.C., this happens. The kingdom of Babylon that they had tried to make a truce with comes in destroys Jerusalem, tears down Solomon's temple, and leads all of the people back to Babylon. Let's talk about a spiritual desert. They were there for a long, long time. But, did I get your attention? If you're falling asleep, have another cookie. Get a sugar rush. You want to hear the good part. But, the judgment of God is not the end. Can you hear that this morning? We've been saying this each week. God's judgment is always given to bring about change. Week one, we said God's judgment is given with the hope that change will happen and God will be there in the end. Week two, Pastor Ray beautifully talked with us about God's judgment comes, yes, but His restoration comes in unexpected ways and in unexpected places. This week we see this same God, this same judgment given with the hope that joy will come. That the desert's lack of water will make them and us thirsty for God. That the desert's lack of food will make us hungry for God. That the desert's lack of shelter will make us long for the shelter of God's temple and God's presence. That the desert's bleakness will make us and them long for God's light and God's life. And when the desert has done its cleansing work in us, I want you to hear this good news. It is God who makes a way for our joyful return. It is God who makes a way for our joyful return. And it is Isaiah who in our passage today in chapter 35 gives us five joys that happen when God leads us back to Himself. When we turn and move in the direction he is calling us. And I want you to, I want to go through these really quickly. Our five joys that Isaiah declares right here. The first joy is that the desert of scarcity will become the abundant oasis of God's presence. 
We read in verses 1 and 2, The desert and the parched land will be glad. The wilderness will rejoice and blossom. Like the crocus, it will burst into bloom. It will rejoice greatly and shout for joy. The glory of Lebanon will be given to it. The splendor of Carmel and Sharon. Those are places that have big trees, beautiful roses, and lots of abundant life. They will see the glory of the Lord, the splendor of God. I want to stop here because we don't often use the word glory anymore. But glory, the Hebrew word for glory is the word kavod. Would you like to say that with me? Ready? One, two, three. Kavod. Let's say it one more time. One, two, three. Kavod. And one more time because this is a really important word. Ready? One, two, three. Kavod. And kavod literally means presence. Have you ever had your eyes closed and someone is just near you and you just sense? That they're near you. Even though maybe you don't see them, you just kind of sense that something's there. Maybe you've been in a dark room, or, or maybe you've, you've played a game with a blindfold or something, and, and you just know that someone is really close to you. You can just sense it, even though you can't see them, even though you haven't touched them, you can just sense them. That, that, that's kavod. That's that presence that just emanates from the experience of God. This was what moved in to the temple When it was completed, it was God's presence. And you could sense the real experience of kavod. And Isaiah is saying that you can experience God's presence anywhere that you turn to Him. Including the desert. Whatever desert is there, when you turn to Him, His glory will be there. And that desert can explode into beauty. sustenance and the things that you need because God is there. We've got to move on. Uh, Number two, the second joy is that the desert of the disheartened becomes the oasis of God's strength. In verses 3 and 4, Isaiah declares, Strengthen the feeble knees, steady the knees that give way. Say to those with a fearful heart, Be strong, do not fear. Your God will come. He will come with vengeance, with divine retribution. He will come to save you. Now this sounds strange. I don't know about for you. But talking about vengeance and retribution to save, because... I'm in the desert because I walked away, right? So I want to I look at that word vengeance here. It is the Hebrew word gamul. It's kind of fun to say, isn't it? Ready? One, two, three. Gamul. Let's say it one more time. One, two, three. Gamul. And of course, just because we always say it three times, let's say it one more time. One, two, three. Gamul. And gamul means dealing with. And usually it's dealing with for a benefit to you. It actually comes from another Hebrew word called gamal. We won't say that one, but you can if you want. It's just fun to say, gamal. But gamal means that it is completely dealt with. So when it says that God is coming, it means that God is going to deal with whatever circumstance is keeping you in the desert. And God is going to deal with that completely. That God's strength will completely deal with whatever is keeping you in that desert. Did you need to hear that this morning? 
that when we turn to him, God is ready to do whatever is necessary in that moment to deal with completely what is keeping you in that desert. Number three, the third joy, the desert of disability becomes the oasis of God's healing. This is a good one. Verse 5, Isaiah declares, Then will the eyes of the blind be opened and the ears of the deaf unstopped. Then will the lame leap like a deer and the mute tongue shout for joy. Now, most of us have probably never experienced any of those. We can kind of maybe put ourselves in the shoes of people like they're like, if I couldn't speak, to be able to speak would bring a lot of joy. Or if I couldn't walk, to be able to do that would bring a lot of joy. But I want you to think about this for a second, because I think it's very applicable to my life and to your life. Because what he is in essence saying is that the blind eyes that have led you out into the desert, the deaf ears that haven't allowed you to hear God's voice and his call, the unusable legs that can't take you home, and the tongue that doesn't allow you to call to God for help will be healed, dealt with completely by God. I don't know about you, but I can get, I can get behind that. I've had those moments in my life where it just seems like I'm walking in circles and my eyes are doing are of no avail to me. That I can't hear God's voice. That my legs just don't seem to be able to take me out of the trouble or the mess that I've gotten myself into. And my mouth can no longer cry out for the help that I need. I've been there. Have you? Isaiah says the joy will come when God comes in that moment. He will deal with that by healing it all completely. Aren't you glad? Fourth joy is the desert of destruction becomes the oasis of God's provision. Hear this this morning. He says, water will gush forth in the wilderness, streams in the desert. The burning sand will become a pool. The thirsty ground will become bubbling springs. In the haunts where jackals once lay, grass and reeds and papyrus will grow. It takes a lot of water for papyrus to grow. I don't know if you know that. He's saying that this is all going to be here. That God can transform whatever. Everybody say whatever. God can transform whatever is sapping your life away into exactly what you and I need to thrive in this life. See, when God shows up, incredible things happen. And joy is the result. And the last one, the desert of lostness becomes the oasis of God's direction. Verses 8 through 10 say, And a highway will be there. It will be called the holy way. The unclean shall not travel on it, but it shall be for God's people. No traveler, not even fool, shall go astray. Now here's where I switched to the NRSV. Because it seems strange that there would be a highway and this God wants people to come home and wants to joyously celebrate it and transform and then there's a group of these unclean people who get pushed to the margins. 
what Isaiah really is saying, what the Hebrew brings out, and what I believe the NRSV gets right, is it will be called a holy way, and the unclean shall not travel on it. But the nature of the Hebrew language that is there lets us know that the unclean shall not travel on it because God will deal with whatever in their life has kept them in the desert. And they will be, you can be, made clean to walk upon this highway. And you can become God's people. God's purpose has always been for all the nations of the world to walk His holy way back, filled with joy. And He wants no one, not even fools, to go astray. He goes on and says, No lion will be there, nor any ravenous beast. They will not be found, but only the redeemed will walk there, and those the Lord has rescued will return. They will enter Zion with singing. Everlasting joy will crown their heads. Gladness and joy will overtake them, and sorrow and sighing will flee away. It's good news today. In other words, God will deal with sin, the uncleanness in our lives that keeps us in the desert completely. We need to hear that. God will deal with lostness completely. God will deal with the dangers of life completely. God will bring us all the way home with joy completely. You might be thinking, Pastor, why are you preaching about deserts at Christmas? Shouldn't we be talking about snow and mistletoe and all those things? Well, there are a couple of reasons. First is because we're not to Christmas yet. This is Advent. The season of longing for the Anointed One. Longing for Christ. But the second reason is because I know that many of us, many of you, many of you online, are in the desert today. Right now. For some of you, you experience that blindness, that deafness. You're experiencing the lack of something that you think you need to thrive. Or you're experiencing the intensity of things in your life. Things that you think will need to thrive, but they're coming at you so intense that they're sapping you of energy, sapping you of life, draining it away, and you just can't seem to hear God's voice, and you just can't seem to get His attention with your tongue. We're in the desert. Which desert are you in? I've named some. Maybe there are some others that I haven't mentioned. But you would say, I'm in it. I'm in it right now. And even though we light all the candles and put the trees up and do all of that, Pastor Jeff, honestly, I just feel like my life is ebbing away. Well, if that's you, I'm happy that as your pastor today, I get to stand in the shoes of Isaiah. And I get to declare to you, like our series says, that God has come to us. God has come to you. And in the desert of hunger and thirst, unto us the bread from heaven and the living water is sent. In the desert of the disheartened and the disabled, unto us hope and a healer is sent. Into the desert of destruction, unto us the great restorer is sent. In the desert of lostness, unto us is sent the way, the truth, the life. In the desert 
desert of loneliness unto us, Emmanuel, God with us is sent in the desert of sin unto us a Savior is given. His name is Jesus. Jesus. His name is Jesus. Jesus. You want to sing? His name is Jesus. Jesus. His name is Jesus. Jesus. There's good news here. In the season of longing, the good news is that unto you He has come to transform your desert into a place of joy. This is just a little way that the earth declares this because of God's creation. This is Death Valley in California. Did you know that every so often Death Valley flips from this to this? Because you see, my friends, what God started in Jesus will transform our deserts into the place where we thrive. And He will create a highway for you and for me. The deserts will break forth. The dry places will spring with water. It's already begun. And it continues. Until one day, all the earth will be transformed into the presence of God. And all that is old and all that takes away our life and all that saps our strength and energy will be removed. We sit in the in-between time from what God has sent unto us, who God has sent unto us, and His great future that is coming. And So this morning I just want to ask you to bow your heads and close your eyes. you're in the desert right now in all the ways that I've described that I hope you can hear Isaiah's message of joy and I want you to know that right now in this desert you can turn you can ask God touch my eyes like Jesus did to those blind men so long ago. Open up my ears and my mouth to be able to cry for help like Jesus did so long ago. Heal my legs. Help me to walk on your way like Jesus did so long ago and can do right now in this moment. Father, we've heard good news from your mouthpiece, your prophet, Jeremiah. I pray that for my brothers and sisters who would honestly say I'm in the desert right now, may they see things begin to blossom as they turn to you. 
whatever is sapping their energy, may you restore them. Whatever lack they have in their life, may you supply that need. And may they move into the season where we make our way to the manger to see the one who was born unto us. May they be filled with the joy that Isaiah talks about, crowned with eternal joy. May that be us. May that be your people. And may this Christmas season be filled with your presence. For that is truly, you are truly who we need. So we pray these things in the name of the Father who is for us, in the name of the Son who is with us, and in the name of the Holy Spirit who is in us, one God, forever and ever. Amen. Would you stand and receive this blessing? My friends, my brothers and sisters, both here and online, whatever desert you are in, I pray that right now, today, you would turn to Jesus, the one who has been given unto us. And I pray that you will begin to see blossoming the life that only he can give. May you enter this holiday season with joy eternal. And may God bless you in this week. May you announce good news to those who are around you. And may you go in his strength, his peace, his love, and his joy. I pray this in the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, one God forever and ever. Amen. God bless you. Thank you for joining us online. Have a great week. We'll see you next week. Thank you for tuning in to Cross Communities Podcast. We hope you will join us next week.